Welcome back to His and Hers, where we talk about marriage and explore the power of perspective. I'm your host, Halima. There's nothing easy about marriage. I've learned, though, that there are certain things about marriage that can become easier, but has nothing to do with your husband. When we do certain things and we put ourselves in certain environments, our marriages benefit. Things like woman-to-woman conversations, things like women's support, things like knowing yourself and filling yourself up with all the things you love. When we truly understand the dynamic of man and woman, It can create such a harmonious, rhythmic, beautiful story. But it's something we have to learn. In my book, Soft and Strong, I lay out easy-to-read bits of advice for women who feel stuck in their marriages. This book is specifically for, but not restricted to Muslim women, I write about common marital issues, including women and their fear of polygamy, what to do with that fear, understanding men, and opening up our hearts to them, how to confidently love yourself, and how to extend honest love to your husband, and so much more. Soft and Strong shows us that anything can be overcome once we shift our perspectives, find the balance, and focus on the right angle. You will find inspiration, liberation, and valuable life lessons to carry you through your marriage as I share what I and many women wish they knew much earlier in their marriages. You may now order Soft and Strong on Amazon or you can contact me directly at halimadavids at gmail.com or softandstrong2020 at gmail.com. I will leave the information in the description below. My guest today is beautiful Janet Nambi Kiwanuka. Janet Nambi Kiwanuka. She's a wife, a mom, a life coach, mashallah, teaching women and guiding women to rewrite their life story. Have a listen to the conversation. Um, so what, what I usually do is we start the podcast with gratitude. And so I will talk about what I'm grateful for in my marriage um, mm-hmm. today. So just one thing, we try to keep it very simple. So just one thing that I'm super grateful for today in my marriage. And this mm-hmm. just helps mm-hmm. um, me and others to stay um, in the right mindset, you know, to, or to get us back to the right mm-hmm. mindset. Um, so mm-hmm. today I'm super grateful that my husband helped us um, clean the house today. He helped me actively helped us clean the floor, alhamdulillah. That makes me very happy. Alhamdulillah, it's <laughs> fantastic. Yes, alhamdulillah. So I'd like to ask you, um, 
Janet, what is the one thing today that you are super grateful for? Today, I am super grateful for having been able to take some time off and spend time, you know, spend time by myself <laughs> away on vacation to breathe and um and rejuvenate and regroup and re-energize i am so grateful that allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given me that, that that ability alhamdulillah that's so awesome um alone yeah. time is so i was telling my kids yesterday that i just so totally mm -hmm. enjoy my own company like i love being mm -hmm. alone i love just being with my thoughts i don't get it enough it so. <laughs> but it's it so is. amazing to just be in that space where you can just be you and just totally just focus on you it's amazing the problem with uh, with me though is that i take you know loving that alone time i take it to another level at night i especially enjoy it a lot at night that i probably won't go to bed sometimes until 2 p.m because <laughs> I am indulging in that alone time. <laughs> I mean, 2 a.m., sorry, because I'm indulging, but I'm loving it. Yeah, I can totally yeah. relate because that's what happens to me a lot with the yeah. kids, you know, because yeah. you don't get that alone time in the day. So at yeah. night when they're sleeping, it's like, oh, I can maximize. And we, we kind of go, you know, over the clock, uh, past 12, 1 o'clock, and then you struggle to get up in the morning. <laughs> so yeah. um, it's, it's a crazy cycle, yeah. It is. It, and it's um, difficult when you have kids. It's difficult to come by. So you have to make it. You have to create it, really. Yeah, yeah. And you have yeah. to find that balance, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so we've gotten gratitude. Um, we've gotten past that. And could you tell us a bit, um, before we get into the topic, can you tell us a bit about yourself and your story, your journey, and the work that you do. Okay. I am a life and business coach. And um, as I mentioned earlier in the call, I'm also a mother of four children. And I um, started, I got into coaching about two years ago. Now, prior to that, I was a, I, I co-owned a business with two others. It was a recruiting agency in Uganda and I was in partnership in that agency for 10 years. So from 2016, 2006 until 2016. Now, 10 years later, I, there was, you know, there was, I went through a transformation or I was seeking a transformation. 10 years later, I didn't have the passion to, you know, for the business anymore. We had grown, the business had grown into six countries it was very busy and it was going really well but you know at some point in life when you just have something that's just not fulfilled so i felt i didn't feel fulfilled i felt like there was a void i needed to fail and i decided to leave and of course you know once you start to feel that you're not really present the way you're supposed to be for the company so it was not going to be fair to my business partners to stay when I wasn't feeling all present. So I decided to leave the business. And when I did that, 
in sitting idle and disorderly, I'm, you know, I'm talking to friends, they're showing me this, showing me that a lady friend of mine took me to a school that, um, that teaches Islamic studies to women. So they have adults, but they also have teenagers, teenagers to about 21 year olds in the boarding section. Now the school is for adult women as well. They have, they provide a two, a two hour program four days a week. And as I was in that school, you know, she's taking me around, she's showing me what they're trying to do, they're trying to raise money. I'm looking around and I'm thinking, wow, these ladies gave up their time, their precious time to come and sit here and learn a little bit more about their religion. I was amazed. I left that day telling her, look, I'm coming back to this school. What else do I have for me? What, what else do I have to do, <laughs> right? So I was in a self-discovery. I was in a period of self-discovery. And that was 2016. 2016 is when I left the business. So I was in a period of self-discovery. And um, I joined the school 2017. March, um, February 2017 is when she took me there. So I joined the school. I start, you know, I actually was invited to talk to the ladies. As I was there uh, doing the tour, I was invited to talk to the ladies about children and the various stages in there, in the various stages, what we need to look out for in the various stages in raising our children. And these ladies were amazing. And I signed up that day I left with um, an admissions form. <laughs> so I went back into the school the next week as a student myself. So I spent about, I spent three years in that school, just learning my religion, my Islam, all, you know, all subjects, the Tawheed, the Fiqh, the Quran, the language, the Arabic language. So in doing that, I was always being asked, while I was there, I was always often being asked, not always, but often being asked to go and mentor the young ladies. And in, you know, the adult section in the, within the women, I, you know, I found a lot of women, a lot of ladies consulting on topics, you know, for me. A lot of these women were stay-at-home moms, and that's what they had known. That's what they had been. Some of them were working. They had small businesses. Maybe they were selling clothes. Maybe they, was, um, they had bakeries. They were all, we were all there for the same purpose, just trying to better ourselves spiritually. Um, but I was kind of the odd one out who was coming from the corporate self, corporate world to sit into the religion school, in Islam school, right? And, you know, it was a big sacrifice, but alhamdulillah, I found a lot of value in it. And as I was being consulted on giving, even giving talks within the women's side um, or compounding on topics, I enjoyed that interaction. And then I recall when I was in college, I was fascinated with psychology I wanted to do psychology as a degree, but I didn't know what I was going to do with it because I was never exposed to that kind of field. And I mean, this was way back 1993 when I joined college. So psychology, the psychology of the mind was always fascinating to me. So during that period, as I was doing my spiritual um, self-discovery, I was also trying to figure out what I wanted to do next. I looked into counseling and I actually looked into psychology, but I didn't want to go back to college for four years. So as I'm doing some research, there's a website, which is one of my favorite websites still, it's called positivepsychology.com. 
as I'm reading up on positivepsychology.com, they have a lot of tools and they're saying the tools can be used by coaches, mentors, um, psychologists, psychiatrists, blah, blah, blah. and I was like, coaches, what do coaches do? So I looked it up and it was just perfect. It was just perfect. A friend of mine, I'm talking to a friend of mine after I find coaching, a friend of mine tells me, hey, look up this lady. She has a program, Healing with Hint online. You might be able to get in. I for, start following Healing with Hint. Within, within that same month that I started following her, she sends out a post about having scholarships um, to get into her coaching program. I signed up, did the two-minute video, and I got in. And um, so that was my in into coaching. That was around September 2018. I got into coaching. I um, certified with her. I um, as in the in doing the coaching, the coach training, uh, the business coach training. She actually introduced us to what they call neurolinguistic programming. And neurolinguistic programming is all about changing the mindset. It's about reframing the mind you're thinking one thing but how about you think about it this way and the reframe we always need to be able to take action in the right direction so she introduces us to that she introduces us to mental and emotional release which is you know their techniques sorry did you hear that thing that notification sound it didn't come on your end Excellent. No. okay so she introduces us to mental and emotional release she um, gives us this book. She recommends a book that we read about mental and emotional release, which it's about techniques that help, which we use to help our clients release all the emotional baggage that they have carrying with them before you can actually start working with them to move forward. So I was curious. I was like, I want to know more. I want to be armed. I want to have a lot for my clients if I'm going to help clients through their transformation. And she had a training coming up in March, 2019. And, you know, um, once I decided I wanted to do that training, I did not have money sitting on my account. I wasn't working, you know, I hadn't been working since 2016. Whereas I'd made a little investment from the buyout from the business, but that investment wasn't bringing me as much money as I had earned while I was in the business. So um, I thought, okay, where am I going to get the money? Luckily, with some of the work, you know, with my investments, um, it, the, the little bit of work that I had done in the US, I had my taxes coming in, I got that tax money, sent it all to her, got on a plane, went and got my training for mental and emotional release and the neurolinguistic programming as a practitioner. So I am a practitioner. After that training, now I'm starting my business. I did some, I was doing some research. I came across the Life Coach School, started following the podcast. I really liked the model that they use to help us actually manage our emotions and also take action in the direction that we want our lives to go. I liked their model, loved it. Before you know it, I was looking for money to sign up. Signed up for that. I got certified in September of this year. So I was certified as a life it's life, business, and weight loss coaching. However, I um, prefer, my preference is life and business coaching. So that's what I do. I enjoy working with women and especially, you know, growing up, I was raised in Uganda. I left Uganda when I was 16 years old. My father sent me off to the UK to study, to do my A-levels. After the UK, while in the UK actually, 
I did some research on, you know, America and I'm thinking, wait, I am in the UK and my experience, it was a little bit, you know, I had some challenges coming from, from Uganda, different accent. People, sometimes I would speak, people won't understand me. And being among teenagers, they easily bully when, when they find something odd about you, right? So I faced a little bit of bullying, a few racist slurs. My experience, I can say that my experience was good, but I, if I had known better on how to control my emotions then, I would have enjoyed that experience. But for that reason, I decided, no, I'm, I'm not going to a, a university where I'm, going to be, um, where I'm going to be picked on. I decided to research the US. I knew there was a lot of black people in America, way more than there are in England. <laughs> that was my thought. Because when I went to England, I went out in, I was in a school in Great Morgan, way out in the boonies, in the hills of Great Morgan, beautiful place. So because of that experience, my mind was telling me, go find people who look like you, who people can relate. Here's where I applied. I applied to four universities in the US, Howard University being one of them. And once I got into Howard University, I was like, yeah, that's where I'm going. So I went to Howard, that's where I did my college, um, did my degree in finance. And then after, and of course, then you get there and then you start seeing what your expectations are totally different from what you find. I was like, man, why do we, Black people always have to complain about what we are not getting. <laughs> but reason I'm saying all of this is I faced a lot of challenges, a lot of conflict. Um, I was raised Muslim. Here I am living a life that wasn't, my life wasn't really Islamic. I knew my a little bit of my Islam. I knew to pray, I knew to fast. But living it on a daily basis, I didn't know how to because I wasn't taught how to. And I faced, faced a lot of conflict, you know, in college, you, are, you, you experience a lot of things, you're exposed to a lot. So I faced a lot of conflict during that period and a lot of learning, a lot of, you know, you make a few mistakes here and you're torn. My father was telling me, you have to get married to a Ugandan and they have to be from our tribe. And here I am meeting all these people. I'm like, but I could get married to anybody else. But it was always haunting me. And of course, when I got married, I got married to someone from Uganda. So all of those challenges are what bring me to what I'm doing today. I like to work with women. And then, you know, after college, I got into banking. I got a job into banking. And being a banker, I was always, or rather being a man, the job I got was in commercial banking. Commercial banking, you were working with business people who were making a lot of money. A lot of them were white men. So a lot of the meetings I was sitting were white men. And because I was this black girl from Uganda, I naturally would shrink, you know, I didn't, it was impositor syndrome really bothering me. So fitting in was always a challenge. And so for that reason, so for those reasons, I like to work women who face conflict in trying to create what they want to create out of their lives. And yet their background and upbringing has taught them something different. And of course, keeping it within the moral confines of society without ruining who you more your morals and values. So that's the kind of work I do. Sorry that took so long. <laughs> wow, 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 wow. <laughs> sure. Um that's amazing. It's like as you were talking, I was just putting your whole journey at puzzling the pieces together. So kind yeah. of uh, so here yeah. you are now and you're a life coach. So you were saying you focus on life and business. Um, yeah. One other thing I, in there as well. Um, food, diet. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. 
what was the one the one other thing that you said as well in, included in there i think you said dieting well weight loss coaching i am a trained weight loss coach okay but it's not something that i you know that, that i prefer to do i prefer to focus on the life as business coaching but I can do weight loss coaching. I can help people stop overeating. I can help people stop over drinking. And, um, but, you know, it's a very unique program. It's very interesting. And the results, you really can create the results. It's not about dieting. It's not about, you know, um, this isn't, you know, it's not about the specifications of dieting. We actually work with the mind. Why does someone reach for that donut or that cookie? at 11 p.m. at night and why are they reaching for five instead of just eating one what is going on in their mind at that time that's what we work with because once you manage the mind then you manage the urges the urges come from thoughts definitely yeah definitely. Yeah. yeah yeah it's, it's so true i can totally relate to that because um i know myself um when i'm in a, a sort of balanced um, emotional state mm -hmm. I don't have the same cravings as when I'm like ticked off or something just triggered me or it's amazing how that works you know so yes. um, <laughs> I, uh, totally uh, especially when I when something's happening when I'm feeling a bit of anxiety mm -hmm. sugar is the thing that I grab <laughs> something yes. anything with sugar guilty <laughs> Yeah, so definitely, I, I can completely um, see how it's all linked to the mind and how yes. we can just um, fight that, everything else yes. fall into place. Yeah, I am guilty as well. I do the same thing. I like to reach for that sugar when I'm, when, you know, even when I don't get enough sleep, I reach for that sugar, you know. So it, and it's, what are you thinking at that time when you're reaching for that sugar? And you'll find that the thoughts that we're thinking at that time are, you know, you just want to actually avoid a feeling or um, massage a feeling. Because when you're tired, when you're exhausted and you haven't gotten enough sleep and you probably do not have time to take a nap, you, you're looking something soothing to soothe you out of that, the feeling of um, exhaustion. And the mind tells you sugar will be soothing. So then I'll grab some tea and a cookie. And I'll sit and do my work as I <laughs> soothe over some tea and a cookie. So that's what happens. It's just the mind. You're telling the mind that I need this, so I deserve this. And food is always something that we all run to for comfort. And a lot of us run to for comfort, yeah. And it's so, yeah. somehow. It just snaps you out of that a little bit. And coffee does that to me also sometimes. Yes. Um, it just yes. snaps me out of that mood and then I'm able to again, you know, be the mom that I need, <laughs> that I need to be. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what happens when we do that? And especially coffee, I do coffee. Every day that I haven't gotten enough rest, I do coffee. So I'm guilty. But you know what happens? We're, we are just as good as someone who takes a, a sniff of cocaine and we get that dopamine hit, you know, and we are telling the brain, you know, we, that soothing that we are getting from it, that dopamine hit is what makes us feel like we're now energized and rejuvenated. And yet it's also temporary. And then what happens is once that coffee or the caffeine um, comes, you know, once the level that you have in the bloodstream decreases, 
then you want something else. And then that's when you reach for that cookie. And then the, that sugar decreases again, you want something else to put it back up. I used to be a Coca-Cola addict. I used, I spent years drinking a bottle of Coke every day. 3 p.m. would come by and I start jittering. I start really start jittering for that sugar. And I had to have a Coke, you know? So that's what we do to our blood sugar levels when, whenever we take stuff that we don't, need to, we don't need to take. It's that dopamine. We look for it, we get that short time later, and then you want, before you know it, the brain wants more. But it's good though sometimes. <laughs> what, sorry? Sometimes it's good. Sometimes I enjoy it. <laughs> yeah. And, and when you say it, it's like a drug and, you know, like it's this kind of, um, I feel guilty sometimes because I do feel like you're basically treating food like a drug. Um, you know, when, when a, a cup of coffee could be a good thing, but because of yes. my reasoning for going towards it, um, I'm basically turning it into something bad, something that um, is like a drug. And I feel guilty sometimes, yes. and I just have to like sigh over, like suppress the guilt and just stuff, you know, because I, <laughs> I just need to get on with the day. Um, but what um, going with this, um, like just taking going with this conversation, what would be the healthy approach to to conquer that? Um, to not go and reach for that food? What should be the, the proper approach? The proper approach is actually at that moment when you have that craving to come, you know, um, go into yourself and think and figure out what thought that you're having at that time that's having you reach for that craving. The thought could be something as simple as, it's been a long day, I deserve a donut you know I have worked so hard I deserve a donut and then ask yourself do I really deserve the donut what makes me think I deserve the donut so when you ask yourself why why do I deserve the donut why is it that I'm thinking I deserve the donut what is it that you know why is it you know you ask yourself why 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 maybe like five times you might actually come to the realization that all it is is just a, an urge that you just want to fulfill. And in the long run, it's not going to serve you. And when you get used to asking yourself that question and looking at that thought and dissecting that thought, then you're able to manage those thoughts and those urges. It's, you know, all our urges come from what we're thinking. The thoughts create the feeling, then the feeling creates the action. So the, urge, the thought that we're thinking creates the urge, the urge is the feeling. And then we want to we want to um, satisfy that feeling. That's why we take action by reaching. So yeah, and that's the coaching model that we use. So the coaching model is everything that happens outside of us is a circumstance. We have no control over it. The thought that we attach to the circumstance is what creates our feelings. So when you know we've had a busy day. Um, whatever you know there's so much that happens out there when you're at work that you have no control over but then you're thinking you by the time you come home you're thinking i've had a busy day the day went as it did some things you had control over some things you didn't you had control of whether you want to be busy or not right then you come home and you think you're attaching now the thought to the to, to how the events of the day went the thought is i had a busy day i deserve a cookie once you say I deserve a cookie, it's going to create the feeling it's going to create is an urge. And then that urge 
is going to create an action and that action is going to be cookie jar. Where are you? <laughs> and then whatever actions we take create the results that we see in life. So hence the weight. So it's always the thought, what am I thinking right now that makes me think I deserve this? Yeah. I think a big part of it is to slow down as much as you can so that you can actually yes. be aware of your thoughts. Because yes. like for me, it's always, um, I'm not often slowing down and just catching myself because everything, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm a very impatient person. <laughs> Mm -hmm. um, so I like to, I don't need to, but for me in my head, it's just an emergency. Everything's an emergency. It needs to be, it, it, it needs to be done quickly and, and as quick as it mm -hmm. can be. And I mean, I'm at home, I'm a stay at home mom. So it's all on my time, basically. I can slow mm -hmm. it down if I wanted to, if I consider it um, important, um, you know, to just catch my thoughts. And, and that's actually so much more important to just take it slowly and, be aware of what I'm thinking so that I can be aware of what I'm feeling instead yeah. of just rushing through everything and getting it done and then I snap and I get triggered and, and you know, and everything kind of falls, yeah. falls over. So that's so... And it's not easy, especially when you have four children. It is not easy, you know. It's, it's hectic. I um, did... I was a stay-at-home mom from 2000 and or up until 2006, when I had my child, uh, my first child, the only maternity leave I was going to get was six weeks. And I thought, no way am I taking just six weeks. You know, no, no way am I putting my child in daycare for six weeks. I mean, I was so, I looked at him, I was like, no way, he can't go to daycare for six, you know, at six weeks, rather six weeks. So I talked to my husband and he was okay with me staying at home with the child. So I stayed at home with him. And even with that one child, it's like everything was an emergency. Let me do this before he wakes up. Or um, let me do this in the time before his meal. Or, let me do this before this. It was always, seemed like it was always an emergency. And sometimes we just need to let go of some things. And I remember one of my girlfriends said to me that, you know, you cannot be superwoman. Not having house help, you're going to think you have to, your home has to be perfect every night. You know, everything has to be perfect. The clothes have to be folded. They have to be ironed. They have to be on the hangers or they have to be everything. She said to me, you cannot do everything in one day. You cannot be superwoman because you need to spend, you need to, when your husband comes home, you need to be available for him as well. Um, you need to be present, even if it's just sitting and having a conversation with him. Otherwise, you're going to be tired all the time. And that's the best advice I ever got. <laughs> Because yeah. then, then I didn't need to feel like I needed to be a superwoman. Yeah, I think that's about yeah. prioritizing, you know, um, because yeah. there's always going to be so much that you want to do. Um, yeah. uh, that's where I feel there's so much I want to do. <laughs> but um, yes. we need to prioritize and really think about what is really, really important. Um, yes. And yeah, so that's the thing with us moms and wives. We have to kind of, you know, um, I think um, figure it all out in a way that benefits everybody, um, mm -hmm. but not letting yourself go in that process. So it's kind of like, I don't know, it's a special kind of skill you need to have. <laughs> and I think you get it as you, as you grow and as you learn about yourself and yeah. your marriage and your husband mm -hmm. and your children. And, and 
Yeah, you just need yeah. to learn about how to get this right <laughs> as yes. you go. Yeah. You learn as you go along. You just have to make it. <laughs> you have to make it work as you go along. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, we haven't even really touched really um the crux of of marriage and and being a wife and and you're know, balancing all of those things. Um, geez, let me just look at the time. <laughs> do you have time? <laughs> yes, I do. By the way, I'm on. By the way, I'm on vacation, so <laughs> yeah, I have nothing yeah. but time. So are you okay with us talking a bit more? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Then I told you 30 minutes. So, yeah. so it's okay. Oh, we can okay. talk a bit more, yeah. Okay. It was necessary for us to get to know each other too. <laughs> so, yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, I tend to, when I delve, I delve into these conversations, I could go on and on because I find it so, it's like food for me in a way. Yeah. It's, you know, it's that, yeah. that thing that I, <laughs> that I need. <laughs> Um, so it really, it fuels me. <laughs> Alhamdulillah. So um, I just wanted to put out something that we were talking about, um, about balancing everything. So I remember there was something that we, we spoke about before, um, about a mom who, for instance, she's, she's been doing everything for years and, um, and now she's at a point where she's a stay-at-home mom. So she's been there for her husband, she's been there for her kids um, for many years, and now she's at a point where she's feeling um, kind of dried out or not fulfilled, you know. So um, what does one make of this? Because I was kind of thinking of this woman, and I was I was thinking of where she's at, and my heart is out to her, you know, I felt like what, maybe she's feeling depleted and she's trying to reach out, you know, and she's... Um, mm -hmm she's lacking something or she's needing something um and perhaps she doesn't know exactly what it is that she's needing yet at mm -hmm. the same time we moms um and wives like we we i tend to feel a bit guilty sometimes um and i think it's, it's a common thing i think a lot of women do feel this way you know when you um when you're not balancing things well you know because part of your responsibility um i take it on as part of my responsibility, part of my purpose, um, I believe is being a wife and being a mom. I've taken on that, um, I've embraced that as part of my purpose. So mm -hmm. when I feel I'm not being fulfilled in that role, I feel a bit guilty, like what's happening? You know, how do I make sense of it? And how do I place this, you know, while serving um, my kids and my husband and being um, beautiful to Allah ultimately, you know, um, yeah, how do I place all of these different emotions and feelings and, and needs and um, desires? Um, yeah, what, what's your answer? Um, so here's what happened and that lady, you know, the forum in which we saw her, um, her cry for help, she clearly gave her all into her marriage and being a stay-at-home mom. And in doing all of that, she probably somewhere along the way forgot to, um, not really forgot, but maybe she did it intentionally. She wanted to keep her family intentionally. But somewhere along the way, she probably just got tired. You know, her values changed. So her values initially were, I would sit at home and I'm going to do everything that I need to do for my family. She did the cooking, she did the cleaning, she did everything. 
and whatever the program was also teaching us on how to take care of our husbands. The program has some very good values in there. Now her values change. She's given herself, given all, sacrificed a lot. Now her values change. I mean, she wants to feel more fulfilled. So she wants to try something else, but she really doesn't know what she wants to try. So what's happening is her thoughts prior to that were, I, you know, something like, I am, you know, I'm going, I am a stay-at-home mom. I am going to do the cooking, the cleaning, blah, blah, blah. she was okay with it. Now her values are changing. She's looking for more fulfillment. She's feeling a void. The void has showed up and that void was always there by the way, but at some point it just expounds in the same way that I, when I was working um, that business that I co-owned, 10 years later, I felt a void. That void, void showed up after giving my all to the business. So the void just shows up. It's always there. It just shows up um, after a certain time. I think after we deplete, after we give and give and give, then the void, this void keeps coming out, coming up, coming out, because we are always looking for that fulfillment. Even in giving, we are looking for fulfillment. So now her thought is, how can I be more fulfilled without having to get up every morning to work, to cook, I mean, to cook, to clean, to make breakfast or whatever it is that we do as stay-at-home moms. So her values are just changing, that's all. And you might realize that because the family is growing, our children are growing, and so are the values. The values have to change naturally because now the children are probably getting a little bit more independent Maybe she has a little bit more free time than she did. So it is now showing up, you know, her values are showing up in that void that I can do more to feel fulfilled. And that was her cry for help. What is it that I can do more of to feel fulfilled? So that's, that, that's what happens, we shift. It's not always, you know, it, whereas that program paints this picture of the perfect, um, Lucy Bell marriage, <laughs> if I could call it that. But we all are from different walks of life. We all have want different authority of experiences. Um, what I the, and the thing about that program is, you have to, you, you really have to be, you have to have to have the love of being a traditional wife and mother for the rest of your life. But you can still do that. And it doesn't give much, I don't think it doesn't seem like it gives option to do that and be able to do something else. But that was her cry for help. And then when we think about balance, you know, balancing life as a wife, as a mother, sometimes people are afraid of working because they think they won't balance it all. But what is work-life balance? Work-life balance is all in our head. There is no 50-50 or 30, 30, 30, or 20, 20, 20, 20, to make 100%. It is all our thoughts about what we think balancing is. One mother might decide that, you know what, I am going to cook to make a home-cooked meal twice a week, and I'll freeze, I'll freeze, we eat some of the frozen, I make another one, we eat some of the frozen, and I make another one. Her program is twice a week. Another mother might want to cook a fresh meal every day, five days a week. Another one might want to do 10 meals a week. You know what I mean? So who's to decide what's, which, which one is good balance, which one's not? It is entirely our thoughts, the thoughts that we put to what we do. 
we can decide, we can decide that if I um, give my family 70% of my time, I want 30 for myself. That's work-life balance. You can decide that I, you know, I give my parent, my, my children all of the time when they're in school, once they're school, once they're done with school, then this is when I pull away. So it, it, it's all in the mind. It's all the thoughts that we attach to it. So basically that's all she's, she has a void now and she's looking to fill it and that's what's happening. Mm-hmm. There was something that you said, um, you said the void was always there. The internet connection is a little bit unstable. Yeah. Can you still hear me clearly? Oh, I'm, I've lost you there for a minute. Yeah, the internet is a bit off. It's a bit unstable. Okay, what I was saying is, um, you mentioned that the void was always there. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not sure how to understand that. Like, um, mm-hmm. So what you're saying is basically there are some voids we have that we are not aware of. Is that it? Yes. So we feel <laughs> like we fulfilled, but we yes. may not be. Yes. So here's how, in her situation, I'm guessing this is what's happened. When she got married, she got married with the intention of being a wife and a stay-at-home mom, right? We don't know about her upbringing. We don't know how she was raised, you know, but whatever, you know, at, at the point of my point in her marriage, she made the choice that she wanted to be a stay-at-home mom. And she did. And once she did that, she gave her all. And at that point, at that time, she valued being a stay-at-home mom more than anything else. But clearly circumstances in her marriage have changed or in her family, let me say family, not marriage necessarily, circumstances in her family have changed. And maybe the children are now a little bit more independent. Maybe um, she's realizing that she can do more with her life than just, just as she put in the email, I'm tired of the cooking, I'm tired of the cleaning, I'm tired, you know, it's, she made it seem like whatever she's been giving at home, she's so fed up of, she wants something else, she wants a different challenge. But that did not happen the day that she sent that email, that realization. In the back of her mind, her conscious, unconscious mind, she knew she could do more than just than be a stay-at-home mom. And because she didn't know how to bring that more in while serving her family, it is now coming out like, I am fed up. I want to do something else. But it was always there. It was always there. I mean, she could have easily started writing her thoughts down on what she wants to do and um, deciding, okay, I've done well as a stay-at-home mom, but I can also, I don't know, I can also be, um, do online trade, online sales in Amazon. If I'm going to do that, how do I start? And just simply writing her thoughts down on how she can add to whatever she's doing. And then slowly finding time amidst all of the work that she does as a stay-at-home mom to be able to attach this business. So it, it when it comes out, like that she's just clearly showing you that i i have this void and i would like to fill it (laughs) the way it came out in the in her uh, post 
So yeah, it's always there. It's always there. It just, our values, depending on what values we have going on at a specific time, we may cover up that void and then want to feel, fulfill it at a later point. When I decided to leave my business after 10 years, I wanted to spend time with my children. You know, they were young. Now that at that time, four years ago, so it was a 12-year-old, a six-year-old, um, a four-year-old, and a three-year-old maybe. Yeah, yeah, four years ago. That, that was the age for my children. And I, you know, I was always, ever since college, I've always been the corporate girl. I've always been out there working. Now, all of a sudden, I want to stay at home and take care of my children. The void that I had, my unconscious mind was playing my life, replaying my life or what I learned from growing up because my mom was always a stay-at-home mom. My mom did not go to work until I was in college. And yet I had, I also had younger brothers. I think she started working when my youngest brother, who I'm 12 years his senior, I think, when he left home to go to college. I think that's when she started working. So I always felt that need to be there for my children. It was always haunting me. And it's one of the reasons that drove me to giving up my business and giving my children time. I was conditioned that way. So you find that this lady as well was taught to get out there and work. But at some, she chose when she got married to sit at home. But now that void is presenting herself, presenting itself. So it's the values, the values change over time. Our values change over time and they bring the voice out. Yeah. yeah. Um, there's two things that's in my mind right now. Okay, the one, the one thing I just want to go back to what you were mentioning, you said even in giving, we are looking for fulfillment. Um, and I was thinking, I try to, I'm not sure if I can associate this with what, what I'm thinking in terms of expectations, because I have mm -hmm. kind of changed, it's something I've only discovered much later, and it's really served me, it's helped me to give mm -hmm. um, to my family in a way that I don't expect anything back. And 90% yes. of the time, that helps me. <laughs> um, yes. There's the odd, the odd 10% where it, it just, uh, I fall flat on my face. <laughs> um, because somehow I think I'm just so desperate in my need that I expect, or I'm so overwhelmed or frustrated that I, mm -hmm. I fall into that trap of expecting. Um, or yeah. I feel like it's just too much of something out there. You know, it's too um, unrealistic, I think, sometimes. Um, depending yes. on my state, um, yes. to expect no expectation, to, to kind of live by mm. that motto. So, but what I wanted to ask you is when you mentioned even in giving, we are looking for fulfillment. Um, mm -hmm. What do you mean? Okay. I am so glad you asked that question because it can easily be misunderstood that in giving, we are looking for fulfillment from others. Yeah. So what I really mean is when we are giving, one of the, you know, the best things that we can ever do for ourselves to find that fulfillment is to give unconditionally, you know, because in giving unconditionally, you are giving yourself the fulfillment. That fulfillment is not expected to come from anybody else but you. The other day I was, I was listening to one lady on a radio show and she was giving an argument over 
Um, she gave an example that she pays tuition for her brother and her brother came back home with really bad results. And in talking to her brother, she said, I work so hard to um, make sure I get make money to pay your tuition. How can you bring me these results? So her giving the brother um, the education is conditional in that because I'm doing this, you have to come up with the results. Whenever we do that, we put so much pressure on the person that's receiving. But most of all, the worst that we're doing actually is we are putting a lot of pressure on ourselves, right? Maybe the brother asked for that tuition. Maybe he didn't. Whatever the case, whenever we are giving, in order for us to get that fulfillment, it should be, I am giving because I want to, not because I have to. I have to burdens us, burdens the mind with an obligation. And once you burden the mind with an obligation, then you want to actually find something that's going to satisfy that obligation. And that's where the, uncon the conditional giving or the conditional love comes in. When you're doing something for your husband saying, you know, he's had a long day and you think, let me make him a good meal, something that he, his favorite meal. So you make his favorite meal. And if your expectations are that he is going to lick the plate and lick his fingers and say, wow, mashallah, this was fantastic. You're not giving. What you're doing is you're putting pressure on him to fulfill your need of feeling valued and satisfied, whatever void that you want to fulfill, you're putting the pressure on, on him. And by the way, people always feel that pressure. People always feel that pressure. So sometimes people are pressured in actually giving us back what we're expecting, but sometimes that pressure pushes people away because they don't want to do what you want because you want it. They want to do it because they want to. So it's very important to us to, for us to know that the only way we can receive fulfillment is when we give unconditionally. When you're giving us Muslims, especially we are giving so that subhanahu, so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can be pleased with us. That should be our condition because he gave us that condition and he's the only one that has control over us. Otherwise, and I mean, we have control over what we do in our day-to-day -day lives, but he gave us that condition that if you give, I will give you back. So let's give because we want to, not because we have to. Yeah. And we will get something or whatever we need. Um, we will get it from Allah and just with it here or in the afterlife, you know, just to um, take comfort in knowing that we, we are not just giving. Um, Allah knows our nature and he is going to give us back in whichever way he, he finds best, um, finds suitable. Yeah. But it's so fulfilling. It's so fulfilling when you just give or when you just love artificially. It's the most fulfilling thing. When I have clients who come to me and they are facing challenges in their marriages and then first thing they say to you, I cannot do this anymore, I want to leave. My approach is always, uh, this is, you know, this approach is what we have been taught in my certification program and it works just perfect. If only we can have the patience. The best approach is to first love the person 
before you leave them. Because when you learn to love them before you leave them, it gives you an opportunity for growth. You work on yourself, knowing that I have done everything and I've given my all, but I cannot stick around. And you leave happy, by the way, you leave happy. Instead of just snapping and working out <laughs> without doing some any work on yourself. Because when you walk out, you haven't really given yourself a chance. The only people, of course, there are people who have to snap and walk out. If you're in a physically abusive relationship, no one would advise that you sit there and be physically abused, right? So there are situations where, you know, if it's dangerous, you have to work out. But if you can take some time and still focusing on the other person and work on yourself, you can actually get to that point where you love the person, then you make the decision, you know what, I love this person, but right now, the way they're seeing life or their approach to life is much different from mine. I want something different. And you can say a very nice goodbye and walk away. Yeah, I hear what you're saying yeah. and I, I completely, I can understand it. Um, yet I was having a similar conversation with someone some time ago and this person mm -hmm. was saying to me, but I didn't know how to respond actually, um, like give a good response to it. Because this person was saying, um, how can you um, say that you love this person if you're walking, you're walking away? And I was saying, well, right. your values are not aligned anymore and you, you love yourself first and foremost and you kind of, um, you need to look out for what is best for you to be the best person, um, to be the best version of yourself, you know? Um, in, in a non, not in a selfish kind of arrogant way, but in, in a in a growth kind of way in, in, in a, you yes. know, so um, yet at the same time, I often wonder what, there's so many things I think that we look for to find common ground, to relate better to people, to, um, you know, we look for things that where we agree. Um, we, we do it all the time. Like I did it with you when we started out, you know, looking for things that we have in common and, and we do that all the yeah. time. <laughs> But I'm thinking, um, and I'm learning with my husband now as well, we differ on things. And with the kids, we differ. Mm -hmm. I, I don't always like the way that he, um, the manner that he has with the kids. Um, I've learned mm -hmm. now, um, you know, as we grow in our marriage and as we, we mature and, and we just develop and we grow, we consider different um, perspectives. So he's a man, there are certain things that he will be doing that I cannot relate to from a woman's perspective. And there's certain ways of, of him disciplining the kids or him talking to the kids that I will never understand or I will just, it will just always seem foreign to me. So these are like the different kinds of perspectives that I'm, I'm opening myself up to now. Um, so my point was, what was my point? My point was, um, yes, why then, um, what stops us from, kind of through the differences, what stops um, somebody from just sticking and working through those differences in love and understanding, as opposed to saying, um, I'm rather going to leave on love, um, through love, I'm going to leave you rather. Uh, do you get what I'm saying? Sorry, what stops us from? Repeat what that question. What stops us through working through the differences, you know? Um, Oh, the differences, yes. <laughs> and, and embracing those differences, um, <laughs> as opposed to saying, uh, so working through the differences in love, as opposed to yes. 
situating Sudan. Gotcha, gotcha. So here's what happens. Again, it's coming into the relationship with conditions, right? Because you're raised a certain way, your image of marriage is a, is a certain way. And when you come into marriage, I mean, we all do this. The minute we are married, we have all these expectations of how we want the marriage to run, right? And then we forget that the other person also was raised differently. They were conditioned differently. They learned whatever they learned different from us who were not raised in the same homes. And they have a different perspective in some areas, right? Some areas we might be so alike, but in some things we are going to be so different. And then we tend, you know, we somewhere along the way, as we as we're growing up in most families, we are not taught that let the person, whoever you let your spouse be an individual. You be an individual. You be whole, he is whole, the two of you are just coming together to complement each other. We hardly taught that. We are, you know, even in, you know, even in growing up, especially as Muslim women, we are given all these expectations, all these things that we are supposed to be, you know, we're supposed to be a certain way for our husband. And then because we come in thinking we're supposed to be a certain way. So we carry that to them as well, that they're supposed to be a certain way, right? So it's expect it's all expectation. It's thinking that because we are married, so every day you come home, we're supposed to sit down on the couch and have a conversation. And especially, I used to do that when I was a stay-at-home mom. I always thought that when my husband comes home, he should be able to sit down with me and have a conversation on the couch, right? And sometimes he's too tired to even talk. <laughs> so then I'm getting upset. I'm thinking, I have been home all day doing the cooking, doing the cleaning. You found a clean house. This is going on in my head, right? He's found a clean house and all I'm doing is have a conversation and he can't even talk. <laughs> yeah. Poor guy. He's coming from wherever he's coming. So tired. He's okay sitting and being quiet. And, you know, you think we are, you know, as a family, we're supposed to do this. We're supposed to go here. We're supposed to do this. We bring all our baggage and luggage and expect our spouse to embrace it. And sometimes we actually do not allow them to be who they are. So that's what happens. Working through differences is the best way to work through differences is allowing the person to be who they are and you be you. Find common ground, make the best of that common ground, period. But many of us want to change our spouses. And I don't know if, it's, especially women, we, we create this perfect marriage and in creating this perfect marriage, we tend to really try to change our spouses to try and meet that perfect marriage that we have in our minds. And we stop them from being, we want to stop them from being who they are. So that's really it. It's the person allowing the person to really be who they are. And actually, when you do that, it helps with the differences because when you give them the space to truly be who they are, they enjoy, they appreciate that space that you're giving them. And then you give yourself the same, be who you are and be comfortable in who you are. When you come together, to, to, to talk about or do things that you find common ground in, it becomes so fulfilling, but also you learn to, um, you learn to compromise 
you really learn to compromise you each learn to compromise because you're saying you know i appreciate that this person lets me be who i am i can then give i can sit with them and watch that football that i so hate or i can go to go with him to the football match that you know that he wants to watch which you do which you find no interest in you know so we learn actually it's it makes it a lot easier for us to give each other unconditionally because we're allowing each other to be who we are yeah there we go i hope that answered your question <laughs> yeah it's just it's, it's a very um it's, it's just all about balance and i think just figuring it out and um because you know on the one hand it's give without expectation on the other hand you kind of do expect a little bit in a way you know because we are human beings and we we do um we can't follow that that motto completely um i think it's it's unrealistic yeah. in a sense to expect ourselves to just always give without um expectation because i mean even as you were saying um like the example you were giving about and that's very true okay yeah. And that's very true, by the way. Yes, it's very true. As human beings, we are always going to have expectations. The question is, when that expectation is not fulfilled, how do you react? That's where yeah. growth comes in. You know, yes, I have this expectation, but if it's not fulfilled, what does it mean? So that's where we then work on ourselves to grow and be able to be comfortable when that expectation is not there or to decide that maybe, you know, I'm getting 20 out of 80 in the marriage. You know, they incident their situations where someone carries so much within the marriage that they weigh themselves down. So maybe I'm giving 20, rather maybe I'm receiving 20 versus 80 and this 20 is just not working for me. So at that point, that's when a person decides whether they wanna stay or they wanna go. But yes, I mean, there are certain, there are certain things that have to be fulfilled within a marriage. You know, especially, you know, for example, intimacy. I mean, intimacy doesn't mean bedroom alone, but intimacy, how do you intimately connect in conversation? Some people just don't know how to, and some people really want it. So. You just have to decide without being unrealistic, really. Yeah. Janet, I think my kids are yeah. unmuting me. <laughs> I don't know if you could hear the commotion. <laughs> uh, but there's just one last thing I wanted to touch on. Um, what was it? What was it? Mm -hmm. um, oh, you were talking about um, the, the spouse um, each each one giving the other kind of the space to be themselves. And I was just, um, something occurred to me, I was thinking, um, it's also in my development, in my marriage, the way I've just um, grown within myself. And I've, I've realized, like at the beginning of my marriage, for instance, um, I didn't really know how to be, and I think I wasn't, um, I didn't really know my full identity, or I didn't embrace my full mm -hmm. identity. I didn't really know mm -hmm. who I was, who I wanted to be as a wife, I think, and, and so on. But what I've realized also is as soon as you have that figured out and you kind of not demand, but I guess command in a way, or just put out that kind of um, attitude of this is who I am, 
automatically the people around you follow. They kind of get the message. They 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 love it actually, I think, and they embrace it as well. And they go with it. It's like a a tune that you set, and and everybody just follows the tune. Yes. So um, so you were saying about some uh, the spouse, you know, um, giving space for the other, and I find. I feel like we we have the power to just kind of create our our identity and and um, and people will just um, we have that power, you know. So um, that's what I've experienced, and it's amazing because when you just figure it out, it's like you think, um, okay, this is different. I'm doing this different, or I'm being a bit different with this. How are they going to perceive it? And People, alhamdulillah for that, you know, it's in the attitude and in the energy that you give off, I think, and yeah. People just follow, yeah. You've heard heard the saying that um, you teach people how to treat you. That's exactly what it means. And there's nothing more attractive than somebody who's confident in who they are and what they want. And a lot of us, what you said is absolutely true. A lot of us get into marriage not knowing who we are, not knowing our identity, and we stagger, you know, we're trying this and trying that and trying to figure it all out. But eventually when you figure it out, you're able to really decide this is what I want. And without, you, you're deciding this is what I want without actually um, um, damaging the relationship or brushing, you know, being aggressive. You're so comfortable in your own skin that it just it just shows <laughs> it just shows yeah. and they follow and you they just follow you just without having yeah like you're not compromising on it like it's just this is it and and it's amazing how it just um yeah mm-hmm. it just works in your favor and, and alhamdulillah yeah. so um yeah. so yeah it, it starts um with me and you know with the individual yes. i find a lot of the time and we have yeah. so much power I'm just discovering how much power subhanAllah, I have as a woman um, and as a mm-hmm. wife and as a mother and that role mm-hmm. and that identity in itself is so powerful. Um, mm-hmm. Alhamdulillah. So I've got to go and do some power work there now because um, <laughs> No problem. <laughs> um, could you hear them crying and screaming? No, I, actually I can't hear them by the way. Okay, Alhamdulillah. Thank yes. You bit of a commotion. Yes. That's okay. But um, thank you so much. This has been great. And just to quickly um, um let you know, I my website is unconsciousbrilliance.com. So that's where I have a lot of my work. If you're interested or anyone's interested, they can check it out. That's awesome. Thank you so much. Yes, so I will, um, yeah, I'll put it in the description, and we we usually, it's a bit rushed and, and disorganized, but we usually end, <laughs> end the podcast, end the episode, with one thing that you wish men knew about women. What should that one thing be for you? One thing that I wish men knew about women? Wow, that's putting an expectation on them. <laughs> but you know what? It's wishful, it's um, wishful thinking. Wishful thinking is that, you know, we're just as good. <laughs> and actually, we are better. We are brilliant. 
our minds are brilliant. The fact that we have the ability to juggle so much, we are brilliant. <laughs> so they should know about our, 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 our power there, our billions. Yes. They should be aware yes. of it. And they, need, they should be aware of it and use it the right way instead of just sidelining it. Yeah. Yeah. So this has been amazing. It's been it's been inspiring and and beneficial, and it's given me the food that I need. <laughs> thank you so much for your time and for sharing. And thank you for the invite. You're welcome. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you. <laughs> Enjoy the babies. <laughs> All right. Assalamualaikum. If you found value in this episode and know of someone else who would too, please pass it on to them. If you would like to add value to an episode by being a guest on the show, please let us know by sending me a message on Facebook or at halimadavids at gmail.com. That's G-A-L-E-E-M-A. D-A-V-I-D-S at gmail.com Thank you so much for listening. His and Hers is a podcast about marriage and exploring the power of perspective. On His and Hers, I invite phenomenal guests to talk about marriage, overcoming challenges, and sometimes to share expert advice so that we can all learn from them. We talk about how to connect with ourselves, which helps us to better connect with our spouses. My hope is for us to explore the beauty of relationships and to remind ourselves and to remind each other about how we can complement each other simply by shifting our perspectives.